0: This episode brought to you by Audible, your audio book source with over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. And today you can receive a free audio book and 30 day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash rich on sports. So don't wait. That's audibletrial.com slash rich on sports for your free audio book and 30 day free trial. Listen to your audio book anywhere, anytime. Taking sports to another level. Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life, exploring the latest headlines and going behind the scenes with in depth interviews, hearing personal stories and the impact of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. What
1: time is it?
0: This is episode 35. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. This episode, we get to hear the journey of Dan Mowry, the former place kicker at Florida State University in the early 90s. And if you've missed any previous episodes, make sure you visit our website, richtakeonsports.com. there, you can subscribe directly from the website on either Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. You can find us on iHeartRadio as well. And if you do use Twitter, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Rich Take Sports. There, you'll always be updated with current episodes, any other information about the podcast, and just a way to connect. And if you want to, feel free to email us as well, Richmond at Richtakeonsports.com. Let's move on now to the Rich Spotlight. Shining
1: brightly to share the stories of people in sports. This is the Rich Spotlight.
0: Our guest this episode is Dan Maury, former place kicker for Florida State University from 1991 to 1994 where he earned a national championship with the Seminoles in 1993 and was also named a team captain during his time at Florida State. Now his name is also uniquely tied to the FSU Miami rivalry after what's known as wide right two, when he missed a field goal in the final seconds that would have tied the game in 1992. But you know, that doesn't define who he is now. He's part of a successful law practice where he's a partner in the Mowry Shoemaker Beardsley Law Firm in St. Augustine, Florida. And obviously, football is a big part of his life. But growing up, I wanted to know, first and foremost, was football his first love in sports?
1: Baseball was really my first love. played shortstop and uh, played center field in baseball and was pretty good at it. It was my first love. And then Played, started playing soccer when I was probably about nine or ten years old, and I could always strike a soccer ball pretty well. And then when I got to be probably 11 or 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there, I begged and begged, and my dad finally let me play tackle football. And uh, the first practice, or one of the first practices we had, the coach said, anybody here play soccer? And uh, I raised my hand, I said, I do. And he said, well, all right, you're my kicker. So the f- very first game, we go to kick off, and it's. One of those fields where it's probably rich, probably a 60 yard field, and I kicked off from the middle of the field. So it was 30 yards, you know, with a seven or eight yard end zone, and uh, 12, 13, I'll be doggone if I didn't kick it through the uprights. Um, (laughs) Just kind of got back like I was just going to waylay on it and just drilled it. After the game, my dad said, Son, I think we might have something here. Uh, But even. Going back even further, Rich, even when I was six or seven years old, I could pick up a football and spiral it. I could punt a ball and make it spiral um, like like it was nothing. And then growing up in Tallahassee as well, I was fortunate enough to be able to work out with some of the the kickers at Florida State, oddly enough, that kicked before me, like Derek Schmidt and Richie Andrews and some of those guys. So I got some really good uh, input from some folks um, early on and then – My freshman year in high school you know i tried out for the varsity team i was a little kid my nickname was tweet tweety bird uh, but i was so little um but i tried out and we had a kid honestly that was going to be a senior that went went on to southern miss to kick my freshman year i made the varsity team and uh ended up doing extra points and short field goals the whole year Uh, and he did long field goals and punted and kicked off but then i i did really well and obviously things led Led to better, and then uh, I guess the, the biggest thing, the, way that, the reason I got noticed, uh, my junior year in high school I was pretty good, but I wasn't, I didn't stand out that much. But I think the summer between my junior and senior year in high school, I got invited to a couple camps and, and private kicking camps and did well. And then my first game of my senior year we played uh, in Florida, Live Oak Swanee. Anybody that knows Florida high school football knows who they are, and they were the two-time defending state champs. We played them, and I I hit a 49-yard field goal and a 53-yard field goal, and I think I kicked off five or six times, and all of them went through the uprights, and I punted four times, and none of them were returned, and I had like a 48-yard average on punts on four fair catches, and kind of had a season in one game. Uh, Started getting recruited pretty heavy after that, and that's kind of how I got to college.
0: So now, during that time in high school, were you in the same mindset that I'm going to focus on this? This is this is my goal. I'm going to be kicker in college, and so you dedicated just solely on doing that, or did you continue to play other sports? I continued
1: to play baseball, and really wanted to play another position in, in high school in football. I really did. I'm big enough. Um, I think I think I had the athletic ability, but I just wasn't. You know, Rich, when I graduate now, I'm six foot and I weigh about 220. I'm probably about 20 pounds overweight or 30 pounds for that matter. But <laughs>
0: okay, yeah. When I I we all are.
1: That's right. Yeah. But when I graduated from high school, I was 5'9", 160. I grew in one, my between my senior year in high school and my freshman year at FSU. In that one year period after graduating, I grew, you know, three and a half, four inches and like 40 pounds. And I was young too, plus... When I graduated and I got my scholarship, my dad had to sign my scholarship because I was only 17. I was, I was a young kid. And I think my freshman year when I made the varsity team um, and I made a couple field goals and, and really felt like I had something that I could do that I enjoyed, um, really worked at it. My dad at times pushed me harder than I wanted to be pushed and glad he did in hindsight and was diligent, make, you know, getting me with camps and Helping me get with some guys at FSU to get some training, and I, I've always I was always able to strike a ball well and, and kick it a long way. Uh, and then I think my sophomore, halfway through my sophomore year, um, I realized I had something. Okay. that was going to really work on it.
0: Was that like a year long thing for you that you practiced year round? Yeah, dedicated
1: I, to this. Pro- probably after my so yeah after my sophomore year in high school, even during baseball season or in the off season in the summer or when it wasn't even football season or in spring practice, I would still kick, you know, once or twice a week. We were fortunate where I grew up. We had a big field about three houses away from us um, that I would go down with my dad. I had a bag of footballs, and he and I would go down usually on the weekends right near this big intersection, and I would be out there kicking. And uh, you know, oddly enough, the AD at the time at FSU lived right down the road from us and would drive by every other day and beep his horn when I was kicking. And okay. uh, <laughs> But there was a you know, it, we talk about it, there was an old pear tree in that field, and that was my upright kick over that pear tree
0: and then so after that that memorable game in high school, you started getting noticed and you started getting some recruiting
1: well at the end of my junior year that summer, I started getting letters, and I'd probably received those initial uh you know those initial. Uh, we understand that you're a D you're, you're, you're a recognized recruit. Please fill out this information. It's that basic information sheet you get from colleges. And I'd probably gotten 25 or 30 and was real excited about it. And then literally after that game, I think I got like, I want to say I got 10 or 12 offers after one game and went from having 25 or 30 letters to to having over a hundred different schools contacting me. And, um, Fortunate for me, I was able to do well the rest of my senior season. Um, did really well. Matter of fact, in our district championship game, I hit a 50-yard field goal um, to put us up by, I think, it was up by nine at that point, with like five minutes to go, to make it a two-point game, make it a two-score game. Uh, and there was that was a game where both my team, Lincoln High School, and Godby High School, who we were playing against, both teams had some legitimate. Uh, other recruits besides me and you know 10 or 12 teams there in the stadium watching and that was a pretty big game for me too.
0: Now do you remember the first school to offer you?
1: Yeah FAMU. Florida Florida A&M in Tallahassee. They offered me the. they actually offered me in the summer before I started my senior year.
0: Now, did you have aspirations that Florida State is where I want to kick, and I'm just waiting for that mm-hmm. offer? This is the the golden no. ticket. Okay, <laughs>
1: not at all. That, all right. was, that was not actually FSU was not my first. Okay, so describe Going that for us. The process. Yeah, I got I got a funny story about this. Okay. When I started getting recruited, pretty good. Um, I sat down with my parents and said, "Hey, listen, I'm gonna go where I want to go. I, I want I want y'all to help me with it, but I'm gonna go where I want to go." And they said, "No." You know we want to do this as a family we want to make sure you make all the right decisions and everything okay. else and then oddly enough when it came down to it did y'all got to help me where i want to go and they said no 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 it's up to you now you decide where you want to go <laughs> but i the way it, the way it came down to the end of the day is um i i had i had narrowed it down to four or five different places and it came down to florida and fsu and spurrier had gotten the job and either i think it was the next day or the day after he came to tallahassee and um, I was kind of tired of the recruiting process, to be honest. So I committed to the University of Florida. And literally the next day, there's an article in the paper, the top line says local kicker picks Gators. And then the next article below, it says Gators may get death penalty. It's like, uh-oh, I need, think, I need to think about this. That was when that was in, in the 1989 that when Galen Hall had left and Spurrier came in, there was all those recruiting violations. And I didn't know what the deal was. And And then when it came down, I had actually gone out of town with my parents for a couple of days with a couple of their families. We went skiing out in Colorado. The last day I woke up and just felt like Florida State was the right place to go.
0: So now jumping into college, talk to us about the transition from high school down to the next level in college. What differences did you see? Similarities? Just kind of describe that.
1: The the one major difference right off the bat, there was two things, actually, two major differences. One, I kicked on about a, a one inch little block. In high school, I could kick off the ground as well, but I had a block and was making that transition from being off a block to kicking off the ground, uh, which was a little bit of a transition for me. It wasn't substantial, Uh, but then the next part was I came in with with hopes of having the opportunity to get the starting position as a freshman, but there was two seniors that were there, um, and Richie Andrews had a great camp and won the job, and he was a senior, so I redshirted and I went from. Having a really good senior season and being really, you know, having really good emotional basis and a really good mindset and a good work ethic to knowing I'm not going to play. And that was difficult for me, to be honest, to go from being the man to being literally a water boy almost. So, but it was, it it was, it was good for me um, to transition. But I think it also was bad for for a little bit of a reason that I, I lost. I felt like I lost my edge a little bit, and it it took me a little bit to get it back.
0: And so, how did you do that? How did you get your edge back?
1: I had to work to get it. Um, my, you know, I, I struggled a little bit my first year. My first year, I, I was a starter um, and struggled on a couple field goals and missed an extra point in the game. And uh, a kid named Jerry Thomas, who oddly enough is a lawyer now as well in Tallahassee, was a walk on and a really good kicker. And, uh, he was given an opportunity to kick short field goals my freshman year and I kicked long ones. So he got the job my freshman year. Um, that part of it. So I, I kicked off and did every, all the field goals over 40 yards and did, and had a decent season. And then he missed, uh, the, the first wide right was my freshman year, which was, he was a sophomore. He missed it. And then after the season, he didn't come back. So the, that was the end of that season. So sophomore season going in, uh, my sophomore year, was having a great season and kicking the ball really well. Uh, and then we get to the Miami game, and I flat missed it. Um, there's no excuse about it. We we played well that game. Um, a little bit of history on that. Miami kicks off to start the game, and Tamarik Vanover runs the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. Against Miami. So the place is nuts. So I, I kick off, uh, kick a touchback. I'm hitting the ball well. Next series, we stop them. We get the ball, go down. Uh, I try a 47 yard field goal. And when I tell you I hit it dead on the screws, I hit it dead on the screws. But the problem is, I can't prove, I don't know this for a fact, but that Miami used to do where they would basically the, the, the nose guard a back would run and jump off the back of of the nose guard. But either way my kick got blocked and he tipped it as it was I mean literally as the ball was going he caught just a piece of it and it you know obviously didn't make it but I crushed it. And that happens uh then we stop them again. I kick a 39-yard field goal. We stop them. They score a touchdown. We we go again uh and I I missed a field goal right before half. Come out in the second half and we we stall on a drive again. I make a forty forty one yard field goal. They score. Something happens. We stall again. I hit a forty four yard field goal. So I've made three field goals now, and I've had one blocked and missed one. And we had I, we were under the impression, at least I was, that you know we weren't going to tie them. We weren't going to lose to them. We were going to beat them. And I always had this routine, Rich, where I would literally put my helmet on the snap of the, of the, the sound of the snap on my helmet would kind of get me in a zone. And I would go through the kick in my head. It's like any, like a pre-shot routine or a pre-kick routine. And so I was, I was literally standing on the sidelines as a fan and that's my fault. I was under the impression we were not going to go for a tie. We were going to go for a win. So I'm standing there and we drive down the field and it's third down and there's like 30 something seconds left. And coach Bowden says, let's kick. I was like, okay, let's kick. And I was oh crap, that's me. And I went out on the field, and I had just hit a 44-yard field goal right down the middle and had a good mindset, was hitting the ball well, and went out on the field and um, just was not in it, lined up just like a zombie. I, realized, I mean, I remember every bit of it. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't upset. I just, it was like I was just going out for practice, and my mind wasn't in it. Why? And I remember thinking, why are we kicking? You know, we just drove like 60 yards. Why are we kicking? Which wasn't my job, you know, in hindsight, obviously now hindsight's always twenty twenty. Oh. but in hindsight, I'm thinking now I'm, I'm, why did I do that? Why didn't I stay focused? Because my job was to kick the damn football, not question why we're doing what we're doing. So with all that said, you know, I went out and I wasn't ready and I'm not mad and disappointed in myself that I missed it. I'm, I'm upset. I've always been disappointed in myself because I wasn't prepared and I let my teammates down so
0: and now after that moment how was the interaction with the teammates support I mean give walk our listeners kind of through you oh, know, that type of situation
1: you, 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 any any response you could imagine I got most of it was um didn't say a word to me some of them cussed me some of them You know, said things that they had the right to say. Um, Most folks came over and said it never should have come down to that. Several guys that played on offense said if I'd have, you know, if I'd have, we'd have scored a damn touchdown on offense. It never would have happened. But that, you know, that was great to hear. But it wasn't. It was solace, I guess, for for a moment in time. It didn't matter.
0: Now, after that game, how do you rebound from that? How do you? I mean, because the season continues, and how do you refocus and? get back to that point where when you snap that chin strap on, you're back in the yeah. zone again.
1: You ju- I just touched a poor group of really good friends that I played with that basically about halfway through the next week grabbed me, took me to the side and said, get it out and get it over with. It's over. It's done. Uh, you know, I was getting some, some nice notes on my, on my car, okay. uh, some, some interesting phone messages that were comical, honestly. Okay. Um, but I I just had some really good friends that just said, Let it go and the way the way that was done, that was a private moment. That the way that was done was, was very emotional for me, um and very honest. Uh it I was able as much as I could at that point to just chalk it up as a as a miss. And then I, the rest of the season, um I had a good season. Went back out uh, the rest of the season and played well. And then at the end of that season, um, Scott Bentley was offered a scholarship and I was, I was told that Scott was getting the starting job no matter what. And, uh, I was given the opportunity to transfer if I wanted to, but I didn't, I didn't go to FSU to, to lose my job and transfer and go somewhere else. I wanted to finish what I'd started.
0: And so you stayed in, so in 1993, walk us through that season.
1: That was difficult for me. (laughs) Um, it was difficult from the standpoint that i wanted to play more and scott was was a friend and an enemy at the same time i knew he was i knew we 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 thought we had something special with that team and knowing that he was coming in and he was going to be the starter uh i i put my shoes on real tight and supported him and pushed him um and i think i think that entire preseason and that entire season I kicked better than him every single day, but he was the starter and I think I had learned not to question at least that aspect of it and I played my part and I kicked off for for several games and, and did and participated however I could and was a good teammate and a and a good friend and uh watched him kick a 21-yard goal to win the national championship could have been me but You know what? I was part of a national championship team. I participated and never, I can never, nobody will ever take that from me. The next season, my senior year, uh, two games into the season, Scott was struggling and I was given the opportunity uh, to kick and I never gave it up. And the last 10 games of my senior season, I started our punter got hurt the next game. So I ended up for, for seven games, eight games that season. I kicked off, punted. Field goals extra points I did everything I nice. did all the placements for eight games wow and had a great team and had a great seat and had a had a blast um I real that was the first time I, you know when I said earlier I kind of had that moxie my senior year in high school where I didn't think I could miss and then I lost a little bit of that edge I think working my butt off my junior year and not being able to play and then getting my opportunity my senior year I didn't have anything to lose at that point and I, I trusted in what I had done, the hard work I'd put in, and I had it back. I didn't feel like I could miss anything. So and that was it was like a full circle. And one thing that really helped me was um, my dad. Uh, my dad has five brothers and two sisters. Okay. And his older brother um, was, I think, the assistant chief of police in Charlotte, North Carolina. And after i missed the kick against miami he sent me a poem or he sent me a speech that i've lived with ever since he sent it to me and it was i don't know if you're familiar with the man in the arena uh it was a speech that president roosevelt gave in so on france and i think it was 1910 to so a bunch of reporters about the war and uh, he, he's speaking, just as a little background, he's speaking to a bunch of reporters that are complaining about the war, complaining about the way things are happening. and He says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, Uh, Because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. Who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly? So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That rang so deeply with me that you know my my dad's brother that's powerful uh, would send that to me and it just it just means that you know what um those that that don't walk that road don't know what it means and at the same time if you walk that road too you know what i had the opportunity i had successes and i had failures but i was there um and you know i think you and i have talked about this once before but a lot of people don't understand it when i say this Missing that kick against Miami was one of the greatest, if not, except for maybe meeting and marrying my wife uh, <laughs> yeah. was one of the greatest, the greatest things that ever happened to me. And it took me a while to, to really grasp that, but it made me realize that nothing in life is, 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 is given to you that you got to work hard for everything you get and that you need to appreciate everything you have, whether it be a relationship with a friend mm-hmm. or your spouse or your children or a client, uh, or obtaining a goal, or striving to to obtain something. Because I had never really struggled or failed in my life in sports before that. Um, I had made game-winning kicks. I had always come through when it mattered. I I was a pretty clutch player, whether it be baseball or football or soccer. I'd never failed like that. And once I failed, I learned who my friends were Mm -hmm. and who my friends weren't. Um, I learned that mentally you, you have to be ready for everything that comes about, and it, if you if you start preparing at the last minute, it's too late, and you've got it. That's just with everything you do. So it taught me to work hard again. It taught me to appreciate what I have, what what God blessed me with, and use it to the best of my ability. But it also showed me that a great life lesson that life ain't fair, and that when when you get thrown down on the ground and stomped and ridiculed and for 20 years every week of the Miami game you get a phone call to talk about wide right it's you can either you know you can take it and and make something nice out of it or you can let it eat you apart and you know people ask me does it still bother me well hell yeah it still bothers (laughs) me that I missed it (laughs) yeah but it doesn't it doesn't bother me that I lose sleep
0: yeah it doesn't consume you
1: no it does not define me now in the in the in the annals of college lore yes i will be defined by one out of like 370 kicks i had in college where between punts next to points and field goals and kickoffs of all the placements i tried i'll be remembered for one but you know hell rich at least i'll be remembered that's right
0: right you were there you were in the arena
1: that's right it, it, it's, a, it's i think it's a lot harder to explain than than just saying that and you know, how can such a failure be a such a positive thing, and it, I don't think it's the failure itself, but it's the results that it taught me, that it made me, it made me reevaluate things, and it made me work harder for things. So if I'm preparing for a trial, or if I'm meeting a new client for the first time, or if I'm uh, dealing with, uh, you know, anything, it, it makes me look at everything from every perspective I can and appreciate the good and the bad, and just take it for what it's worth.
0: Well said, sir. And so when did it come apparent to you that I'm going to put away the kicking shoes and I'm law school is for me? When did that happen for you?
1: I tried, uh, you know, I I was, I was the old college try, so to speak. For two years, uh, I worked for a truck company named McKenzie Tank Lines, and they were gracious enough to allow me to keep working out and trying to go pro. And, And my first year I got I got several good tryouts, but nobody brought me into camp. And second year, I'm uh, granted I was now now I'm a year removed from playing in college and worked even harder and was literally kicking as good as I had ever kicked in my life. Uh, went to several camps um, to work out. I went to New England um, and worked out. I went to Miami. I went to Dallas and then went to Tampa Bay and I had a great workout at Tampa Bay. And oddly enough, I got beat out by. A guy named Adam Benetary in New England, so I can live with that. And then um, went to Dallas and thought I did really well in Dallas, but didn't do anything. So I went to Tampa Bay and stayed in Tampa Bay for a couple of days. And um, Coach Dungey at the time said, "Dan, you're good enough to kick in this league." Uh, and I didn't. They didn't keep me around very long. But he said, "Dan, you're you're really good. You you, you can kick in this league." And at that point, I was thinking, you know, do I want to keep this going? Do I want to keep doing this? So I kept working, waiting for a phone call, and um, didn't get a call for about two or three weeks. And said, maybe that's it. Uh, and then I hadn't kicked. It was probably two months. And it was three games into the season, and the Bengals called and wanted me to do a workout. And at that point, I was contemplating going, doing something different, I was studying for the LSAT and thought back to Coach Dungy saying that I was good enough, and that was it. Moved on.
0: Turned the page and started a new chapter. That's right. Well, and obviously you've been able to utilize all of those lessons that you've learned, the ups, downs, and all of that, and uh, into this new chapter. And so as you we wrap this up, just tell us in your few words again, does – what that impact of sports has meant now that you're in your professional career, you know, as a
1: lawyer. It's kind of a funny adage. It's not the destination, it's the journey. And uh, those lessons that you learn along the way to, that that get you where you want to get good and get you where you, that that take you where you don't want to go. But um, one thing real quick, one thing I'd kind of develop it was just oddly enough, at some point my senior, like my junior or senior in college, I was reading a book uh, zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance okay sure read that so i started learning a little bit about this philosophy stuff and um came up with this philosophy where if you take your hands and you make it in a circle um you want to stay you want to stay in the middle of that circle and if something good happens allow yourself to get excited and to go to the top of that circle but don't go outside of it uh, remember what you did to get you where you want to get but stay centered in that circle something bad happens let yourself get mad get irritated by it get upset deal with it and then let it go and then stay in that circle so you know as we teach and learn things through life and we teach our children and we teach our friends You know, i still coach kickers um i'm fortunate enough to work with a couple kids that are in the nfl now um so but to to work with these guys and and to impart these things by these lessons that we've all learned in our lives i know you 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 coach and you got kids that play sports and yes. you know we all try to do things to instill things into our friends and family is um, how to stay centered and but I think the biggest thing I learned is through all this is allow yourself to get upset but don't lose sight of where you're going and when good things happen allow yourself to pat yourself on the back and give yourself a treat but don't get lost in where you're going.
0: Powerful words, sir, and those are even. More words of wisdom for the listeners, so I'm going to steal all of that from you. I hope you're okay with that. Absolutely, <laughs>
1: if I can. You know, if we can, if we can help one person or help two people with things that we've learned and. Made mistakes and good things with. That's our job.
0: I agree with you 100%. And that's, uh, that's, you know, what I'm just trying to do with this podcast and you coming on and sharing your journey and everything that you've learned is just so impactful just for me, Dan. And, you know, I- I'm hoping that uh, others will take from what you've learned as well and, and lean on that. So again, Dan, thanks so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it and uh, definitely looking forward to following with you again.
1: Appreciate you, Rich. Take care, brother.
0: Now, as I mentioned earlier, and Dan even alludes to it as well in the interview, that the kick against Miami, it does not define him. He's been able to move on. It doesn't consume him, but he still is frustrated that he missed the kick. And it's not so much just that he missed the kick. It's the simple fact that he felt he let his teammates down because he wasn't prepared for the moment. He was more consumed about asking the question, why were they kicking, rather than being in the zone, so to speak, as he also described when he snapped his chin strap on and that put him in the zone. He wasn't there, and he felt that he let his teammates down because he wasn't in the zone in that particular moment. Now, we even talked about before the interview that, I wanted to be able to tell his story, but I didn't want it to be all about just the kick. And I even said that we don't even really have to talk about the kick. And his first reaction was, oh, we're going to talk about the kick because it changed my life. And I want everybody to know that that point of my life changed my life in a positive way, even though it was so negative. And I love that aspect of this story as well, is that he wanted to make sure that other people knew that you might have difficult situations in your life, but you can rebound, use it as a positive. And that's what he did. Look what he continued to do, that he stayed at FSU. He helped push Scott Bentley. And then when his teammates needed him again, he was there. When Scott Bentley was struggling, he was there to be there for his teammates and continued to have success his senior year at Florida State. And now he's continuing to have success. And I'm very fortunate to be connected with him. My wife is best friends with his wife. And while Dan and I don't talk all the time, I do consider him a good friend. They've got three beautiful daughters and they're friends with our family. And I'm just excited that he's been able to showcase what he's learned over the years and still helping other kickers out. And he continues to carry that torch that failure will happen in your life, but you can rebound from it. All right, let's finish up this episode with the weekly words of wisdom. Keeping encouragement and motivation rich. Keeping encouragement and motivation rich. Let's explore the weekly words
1: of wisdom.
0: This episode, our words of wisdom, we focus back on the words that Dan shared with us from President Teddy Roosevelt in 1910, the man in the arena. They're just too good to be ignored, and I want to make sure that we can share those again, that you understand what those words are, and just hear them once more. So President Roosevelt's quote in 1910, the man in the arena, it is not the critic who counts Impactful words as we're just learning about taking chances in life and being out there and not being scared to fail. It doesn't matter if you fail. It's a matter of are you participating? Are you active? Are you proactive? Are you engaged In doing things and that's what president roosevelt is talking about here and that's obviously the words that helped shape dan's transition from failure to using that as motivation and helping him now continuing being successful in life and let's all focus on that let's be engaged let's be active and don't be afraid to fail because we just want to be in the arena well, that finishes up episode 35. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at RichTakeSports. Thanks for listening.